Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. my good friend, Lynn Leggett from Victory Dental Management. And hello, Lynn. How are you? Hi, Teresa. How are you doing? Oh, you know, it's it's good. It's a good day. It's hot and muggy in Virginia. And you are my Virginia buddy. Yes. Gotta love the Commonwealth. <laughs> Virginia <laughs> is for lovers, Lynn. That's what I hear. <laughs> So, so Lynn is down in Richmond, Virginia, in that area, which of course Richmond is the capital of Virginia, and uh, we, I am up here in Northern Virginia, next to DC, where which is of course the capital of the United States. So my my capital is a little bit more cesspooly than your capital, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it depends on the year. With that, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. So we're not going to go politics or anything like that, but we have to acknowledge that we are in the hotbed of of all of that that's going on right now. You and I met, oh gosh, a million years ago. It feels like uh, you were with a company years ago called MDE, which was Mercury Data Exchange, which then morphed into One Mind Health. And you were the onboarding person. And you, I mean, basically, from what I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, from what I remember, you were the person saying, this is how you use the software. But then you turned into basically an insurance instructor because the people who were using the software really didn't have a lot of insurance knowledge. Is that about right? Yep. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So you were like <laughs> misinsurance down there. <laughs> and then you realized, you know, hey, I've got other things that I could be doing. Let's let's move on and, and start the consulting side of your career. And you haven't looked back, but you've been balancing family and work. Tell us a little bit about your family and how, how you seem to do that. <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. But now my baby has gone off to college. So I have faced moving her into a dorm just a couple weeks ago. I'm not I'm not crying anymore, so all is good with that. She is That's good. She is happy as I say she is as happy as a pig in slop and she loves where she's going and she's studying nursing to get her BSN and to work with a pediatric trauma. And nice. then I have a son that is a junior in high school at a at Maggie Walker that will be going into civil engineering. Amazing. We used to talk about our kids in elementary school. I know. Like that's And it wasn't that long ago, Teresa. Where has the time gone? Well, and and you and I have something else in common. Uh, We went to the same college and we were there, but we didn't know each other. Um, at the same time, how it, small world, isn't it? Very small. And and I think we freaked some people out when we were putting those two topics together one night at a dental meeting. And, and there were a lot of glowing eyes at the table just watching us go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we were recounting all of our wild Mary Washington College days, which, you know, honestly, if anybody actually attended Mary Washington, you know, I'm like really tongue in cheek there. So <laughs> our college was, uh, was very small. It was predominantly a women's college. It used to be an all women's college. And I think maybe we had, I don't know, what do you think? Like 
70 men on camera. One thing's for sure. If you didn't know their, their name, you knew their face. That's for sure. That's right. <laughs> Seven, 70 men and maybe 20 good looking ones. So it was a little bit of a, I don't know, it was almost like a drought for our whole college career. But uh, yeah, so that was really interesting to find out that we had that much in common. And so we, we've been friends for, you know, for ever since then. I mean, even before then. So but you have, you started out consulting. And the reason why I wanted you to have you on the podcast is I've worked with you in the past and you're very no nonsense, but also you understand the trouble that's going on in the offices. And so your focus is, you know, systems and culture, but I love that you put a sports spin on it, but why do you put a sports spin on it? Oh, that is a great question. You asked me about the kids, but a really big part of that is I I am blessed with the opportunity of being able to coach girls AAU basketball. And I've coached basketball for so many years. But the reason why I enjoy that is because I get the opportunity to teach life skills through a sport. And I look at teams from a, really a different threshold, because if I call somebody a team, that means more to me since, you know, I've coached basketball for so long versus, you know, being, quote, the dental coach. I, I like mm -hmm. I like changing that hat back and forth. So I will use a lot of sports references when I talk with with different practices because it's it's really easy for them to know what I'm trying to do. And I think that the word or the term consultant has a different meaning for different people. So I just want to make everything as positive and experience as possible for offices and, and doctors and their teams. I always say I'm a dental coach. And if I need to do consulting, mm -hmm. I can do consulting. But I, I like that that coach title better for me. Well, so I have a couple questions. So AAU means what? Oh, that is um, Amateur Athletic Union, which is okay. the, the best of the best. So that's going to be your travel ball. That's going to be where your Division One oh, players are going to play before they go off to college. Okay, got it. My my little cousin is actually, I didn't know that that's what that's called. She's on a travel ball team for softball. She's in, I think, sophomore year. No, maybe junior year of high school. Yeah, she's not even bothering with the high school softball team. This is the teams, these are the teams that get scouted. So hopefully she lands a scholarship. I had no idea about all of that. I just thought you got picked up by going to high school and playing on the high school team. This whole traveling thing was like a whole wake up call. You know, it, it's all about getting yourself out there, Teresa. So depending on her mm -hmm. high school team, versus what the travel team's able to do. You get so much more exposure with the AAU travel circuit because that's where the college recruiters are really going to go unless you have school team that is on the verge of like competing for states. Oh, got it. Yeah, this, that's not this team. <laughs> no, it's certainly not. Um, okay, so second question was, well, actually just a point. You were talking about the team and I, I know one of the mantras that you have, I've heard you talk about this before, is that employees are not a team. It, you know, employees not do not necessarily make a team. So do you want to expand a little bit on that? Sure. When I talk about employees do not equal a team, to me, they're entirely two different bodies of people. Employees are just a group of people that work for an organization and a team. Again, there's so many other things that have intrinsic value with saying you're a member of a team, such as in a dental office. If you truly have a team, then everybody's on the same page and things aren't going to fall through the cracks because they can anticipate the next move of their teammate. So you're not going to have that argument between the front and the back. Everybody is going to be working together for the goals of the practice that the doctor is going to say, this is really what I want to have. And everybody's on board with that message. 
And ultimately, the whole reason for all of that is to have the best experience for the patient you possibly can have. That is the goal. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. You know, it's it's funny because words, we don't think so much about how words matter. I mean, you think, oh, that's just, you know, you're just being picky with your phrasing. But your use of team, your use of employee, we're going to talk about coaching, consulting in a second. You know, I always say yearly deductible instead of maximum. I mean, words, words really do matter. And I I think we really need to pay attention to that. I had a wake up call. Um, I was giving a course a little bit ago and I was talking mostly to assistants. And before I spoke, thank God we had this conversation. One of the girls I was talking to, you know, we were just kind of sitting around just, you know, joking. And she said, can I just tell you one of the biggest pet peeves I have with you speakers? And you're, you know, you're like, oh, and you as a speaker, you're just, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh no, here it comes. What have I done? I've done this before I know it, you know, <laughs> and, and she said, I hate that you guys call us the front and the back. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like, cause that's in my mind, you guys are in the back. We're in the front. Like, like that's like, how is that not correct? And, and she said, you know, it just makes me feel like I'm in like the back of the line. She said, why don't you just call us clinical instead of back? Why don't you call them admin instead of front? This was a long, long time ago. And she, and i you know what? She made a lot of sense. So if anybody out there is thinking, well, you know, she's just being picky about the employee versus team thing. No, words, words make a big, big difference. So interesting. That was a really good conversation. I was actually glad she said something to me because I would have just gone on with the front and the back thing. It's also a matter of respect as well. Like you said, words matter. And the whole goal of that would be, do we respect one another? Absolutely. Think about how we talk to team members about how are they going to present treatment plan to patients? Every word's going to matter. Why do? Mm-hmm. Why would we want to treat the people that we work with during the day worse than who we're trying to impress when they come into our office? I mean, I, sometimes I think we get into that mindset of I'm here all day long anyway. And it's almost like we, we let our team get the brunt of it when that that's really not the way we should look at it. It should be much more respectful. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you. Absolutely. Last point that I had just on your conversation like five minutes ago um, <laughs> is you were talking about coach and consultant. And this is something our industry, if we wanted to have a summit amongst the industry people and have just a coach versus consultant summit, we would have nothing but bickering for the first morning, right? Like because coach versus consultant, I mean, I, I get it. So coach means one thing. Consultant means another. However, you see people using this interchangeably. And then from the whole outside perspective, you have people who have actually gone for coaching certification that get upset when we use the term coach, which I go, you know what, you don't have a trademark on the term coach, but I understand where you're coming from. So in the grand scheme of things, Lynn, what do you see as the big difference between a coach and consultant? And you said you can be both as the situation arises, what triggers those roles for you? I, I totally agree with you that we would be bickering all more than probably one day about splitting the hairs on that. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> but I guess what comes to mind when I think about the difference, because people outside of the industry, I know for my son, he goes, Mom, I tell my friends what you do for a living, and they think that is such a niche thing. Well, it is when you when you think about it. But but yet it isn't because it can be so broad. It do, it's, doesn't have to be just within the dental world. But when I think about coach versus consultant, I think about methods is really what I think about. Because for me, being a coach, okay. I look at it like I'm, I'm there to ask the right question at the right time. Dentists went to dental school. They didn't go to business school like I did. I, I know that 
it must be really difficult to be told or to read or to be bombarded with as the dentist owner, oh, you're doing it wrong or you're being torn down all the time. Nobody wants to hear that. It's much better to approach them with, hey, you know, they're, I know you are probably already thinking about this, but let me, let's separate the pieces to the whole and let's see how all of it relates to another, which is what I do with dental teams as well as basketball teams. I take them apart and talk about them as individual segments. But you've got to get the foundation correct on both the basketball team and the dental team before you can all come together as one, as a larger team, and work together with that common goal in mind. So I see coaching, in my, in my eyes, that perspective. Consulting to me is more, this is what I want. How do I go about doing it? And almost giving them the answers. Coaching, I think, is asking the right, right questions so that they come to that conclusion. Because if I can teach you how to do something, you've got it versus giving it to you. And that, to me, is the distinction. So there's a lot of people out there that, I mean, consultants have and coaches. So we'll just use this interchangeably because we're talking about both here. Um, they tend to have a bad rap in the industry for being cookie cutter. And that's a big complaint that I've had as well. I mean, I so you and I are more niche consultants, coaches. You know, I'm definitely more on the insurance side and on the corporate side. You are more systems revenue. And here, let me take your whole team and turn them into super, 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 super team, you know, grow to like five different practices. You're really focused on fixing it and getting them to the next level. Is that is that about right? It is. And typically, now I have worked with some some groups that the doctor wants to be able to replicate that and have like a mini DSO. So I'm doing that now with a client of mine with that particular goal in mind. But you mentioned cookie cutter and I cringe at that because I'm a problem solver at heart. When people really ask me, what do you do, Lynn? I'm a problem solver. It makes a difference for me. I want to make sure that I take care of the doctor's pain points I'm not going to make you go through a 12 month program with me and work my three ring binder because that's what I want you to do. That's the joy of owning our own company, right? We get to make the rules and we get to help those immediately so that they have that immediate pain taken care of. And that's what I love doing because it's it's also a trust thing too, Teresa. They've, they've got to trust us as a, a coach or consultant and we've got to work with them and, and make sure we're on the same page because I think sometimes some doctors may think, oh, it's a magic bullet. I'll just get a coach and everything will be better. Well, that will get you on the path to things being better if you've got the right relationship with the right coach. It is all about relationships for sure. Uh, have you ever been hired to fire a team or to fire a team member? Okay. It, it's tough, it, right? It is very tough <laughs> because when, when I've been hired to do that and we've had the discussion of exactly why, I've only had to go through with that one time, but typically they realize this person is great. They're just in the wrong role in the office. And I'm not one of those people that come in and go, oh, let's get rid of everybody because there's such an expense, whether monetarily and not monetarily speaking, that you that's just not the right way to handle things, in my opinion. So I'd rather get to know everybody and see where's a better fit 
And, and can we sort of massage things and make the whole team work in a more efficient way? You know, one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is when you have, and there are definitely consulting companies out there that are, they're pretty much just annihilators. They come in and, you know, you just know that your time is marked. <laughs> you better just put in your resume to other places. What a lot of people don't talk about, though, is there is guilt associated with that on the side of the dentist. Because what happens, and just for those of you that are out there that don't, maybe aren't aware of this, but consultants will recommend a clean sweep and just almost like starting over with a blank slate. The dentist, you know, is at whatever wit's end he or she is at, feels like they've tried everything. Maybe they haven't, but feels like they have. And so they follow the directions and they basically just fire everybody. Then years later, you know, I'll, I've talked to too many dentists like this. My worst mistake was firing my whole staff. Now I feel bad. You know, like there's people out there that live paycheck to paycheck and dentists have this responsibility and they understand that. They, and that's a lot of the reason why they don't necessarily fire people right away. They keep people forever. I hear from dentists all the time. I'm their only income. You know, they're going to be out on the street or they're going to, you know, they've got kids. I can't just fire them. And so there's, there's some guilt that comes along with that. And I, until I had been a consultant and talked about it with dentists, I never even thought about that angle. Dentists that are listening, if anybody tells you to come in and just do a complete annihilation of your, of your staff, really think about what that's going to feel like. Because it's not a great feeling, especially if the relationship with the current consulting company goes bad. I don't know. Have you run into any dentists who have had regrets on on that time. type of thing? It's pretty consistent because that, I mean, let's think about it even as, as managers, nobody wants to get rid of anybody. If, and if anybody thinks that's a pleasant thing to do over and over, then that's, I, I don't know, just sad because there's, there's more to life yeah. than just nixing people. And I think Dennis, they almost feel like their back is against the wall. What, what I come across a lot, Teresa, is they almost feel like they're being held hostage by some of their, mm. and I'm going to call them employees because they're not team members, I'm, that they feel hostage by employees or they, the inverse is true that they feel like it can never get any better and I'll, I'll just learn to live with it. And they allow the behavior, whatever the behavior is, to be substandard to what they really should be looking for and what they should expect. I, I think that's something that I come across a lot as well. It's a lowering of standards. And, and you don't even realize it's happening until you wake up one day and maybe you're talking to a friend and, you know, you say something and the friend goes, what do you mean? Is that really like that at your office? I mean, you don't even realize it happens. You just start accepting lesser and lesser performance from the employees. And that's when you have to really sit back and think, who is the owner here? And it may be, I get this call a lot too, you know, Lynn, I, I know what I want to have, but I don't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. I love that question because I need to figure out where they are, where they want to be, and let's reverse engineer it. Business is business. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what industry. I, I love that part of it because I think once I've worked with a client and they can see how I'm thinking about different things, they don't look at their aspect of their practice as relational the same way that I do. Because they just look at it like, mm -hmm. well, the front desk, they're doing insurance and they're doing this. And when do we start referring to people as people, as pieces of furniture? That's the other thing that bothers me too. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's your admin team and your clinical team. So let's, let's look at it this way. Yes. Or they'll, <laughs> they'll say, you know, the hygienist is this, the assistant is this. Well, well, let's, let's talk about that because if you're telling them on one side to do X, Y, and Z, 
but you want them to do something different, but you didn't ask them to do that, how are they going to read your mind? You can't shout in between op one and mm-hmm. two, this is what you want done and expect everybody to do it just because you just yelled something out. Here's the other part of that is what I really like to think to ask the doctor is, you know, what do you actually mm-hmm. want? That's a tough question. And so I always say to the, the dentist, you know, whenever I, I don't consult anymore, but you know, when I did, I used to say to them, what is it that you would like to see happen in your office? Or what do you want out of being a dentist? And I would then immediately say, don't answer that right now. We'll talk about it on the next call, but that's your homework because, you know, they start to give you what they think they should be saying because they're trained, right? Oh, I want to, I want to have a great team. I want to provide the best oral health care and all that, but let's dig a little bit deeper. What, what does that look like to you instead of just saying, I want to be the best dentist ever? I mean, is it important that your employees really like adore you or is it important to you that your employees function well together and provide good health there? There's different levels to that. And then you don't necessarily, it doesn't work for everyone. You know, that one piece, one size fits all doesn't work for everyone. Some, some dentists want to work only a couple days a week. Some dentists want to work every day because they just love it so much. And I think that's what's exciting about coaching and consulting is you run into all these different types of personalities. I love the varying degree of everything I do with clients. But before I can even ask the question that you've asked them, I'll step back and go, tell me, why did you go to dental school? Because there had to be a Mm. great reason. And and then they start, uh, you can just see their eyes. It just changes. And they, and they think back yeah. and that's when you get into the passion and you can tap into the true sense of tell me why here, because depending on your answer, we can build that bridge to where you want to be. But I need to know where the passion was to be able to go through all of that. Well, let's segue into something different. So because you brought up something that we both talked about this. Oh, gosh, well, you, you and I have talked about pretty much everything. <laughs> so one of the workshops I give is Beyond the Operatory. And you took Beyond the Operatory. I co-teach that with Tony Stefanu, and that's up in New York, and it's um, career decision-making type of workshop. So I, I don't have to explain this to you. I'm explaining it to the audience members. One of the interesting things that Tony and I see all the time, and I don't remember if this happened in the, the class you were in, but we get dentists all the time who come in. You know, it's focused on what do you do outside of dentistry, but still remain dental. And we get dentists all the time who could be 20 years into practice, could be six months into practice, and they're already thinking about not actually practicing. They like the industry, but they really don't like being a dentist. That's, that is what, when I can see that, when you ask that question, you know, what made you want to be a dentist? There's that ideal that people start dental school with. And then there's the real life when you get into the practice and you realize, oh my gosh, I don't want to look at another mouth again. Do you see that in, in your clients too, that there's some that really probably didn't need to go through all the way and they, they could be doing something differently? Funny you should say that. I just had a call yesterday with a potential client that pretty much is at that point. And it's mm. hard to ignite that passion again if, if you wake up and you hate going to work, especially when you couple it with not only if um, in this case, he's a solo doctor, it's all on him from a clinical standpoint. But then on top of it, he hates running a business. So he, he almost feels like when he wakes yeah. up, he's got two X's against him before he even takes a step out of the bed. That's sad. It is. It's not sad in a pitiful way. It's sad in the way that it makes my heart hurt to hear that. And we've had dentists who just graduated from dental school. One guy came in and he had just graduated, like I think six months out or something. And he came in and, and he said, nobody in my family knows I'm here because, you know, they just spent thousands and thousands of dollars on dental school. And now that I'm out, I don't want to do it anymore. 
And that's, oof. Oh my God. Especially oh. if he's got debt and everything else. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. There's, it, it's a, <laughs> it's a bad situation. And last time I checked in with him, he was still practicing simply because when he had broached it with his family, they said, well, you have to do this to pay back your student loans. Then you can do whatever you want. I mean, life gets in the way, right? It does. But how, how sad to, to know that this is, that's what's happened to that individual. I mean, and I think that not only from a debt standpoint, but also I think that it's almost like you said, it's sparkly and new when you're in school. And and don't get me wrong, we know it's extremely sure. hard to, to get through dental school. But then when you get hit with so many things, the, uh, the thing that I've always been told is, Lynn, can't, why can't I just do the clinical? Just let me do the clinical and, and you do everything else. Well, I, you know, if I could create that, I would be a multimillionaire. I mean, we all would uh, because they went to Absolutely. school for the clinical. They didn't go to school to also wear the hat of the business owner and everything that comes with that and, and all of those things. So yeah, that's, it's an interesting situation to be in for sure. You know, every time I've gone to a dental school, students eat it up. I mean, they love the business side of it. Mm-mm. They don't get enough of it, you know, and, and the ones that are really not paying attention in my class they're the ones who are going to need us down the road because they may not be paying attention because of whatever, you know, maybe they have labs, maybe they got other stuff going on in their minds, but you have to listen to the business stuff when you're in school or else you're, I mean, you're already, you know, behind the eight ball. So it's, it's tough. I, I feel for student dental students. I really, and dental hygiene is the same way. I feel for the students because they just don't know what's out there. And, you know, it, it, it's like any business. So let me circle back to you, though, for a second. So you went from being uh, in an office, then you went to corporate, then you decided to be an entrepreneur. So focusing on entrepreneurship here, how scary was entrepreneurship? I had fought that tug on my heart for many years. In fact, the push that I needed to be able to do that, and I, and I know you and I've talked about this before, I've got a fraternal twin sister that's a pharmacist. And we've often said with my pharmacy operation background and with her filling prescriptions, wouldn't that be really cool to work for a pharmacy? And I did that for about six months with her and we realized on somebody else's dime, thank God, that we don't work well together. <laughs> So that that was good to sort of get it out of our way. But but it everything I've ever done, no matter what industry, whether it be medical, transportation, pharmacy and, and dental, it's it's really it's all business. And we all learn with all different things that we've done in the past. So being an entrepreneur, my biggest thing was, especially with paying private school tuition for both of my kids, if I've done well enough where I can take care of their tuition, then I'm going to find that. I'm going to define that as my success. And I just realized the more clients I got, the more that my name got out there and I became more established with owning my own company. It was almost like I was sitting in the same seat as my clients because helping others with their practices is what, you know, quote, I clinically do. But then I had the business side of running my own business, which is easy. But that's what I love to do on on both sides of the equation, right? But the entrepreneurial bug, I gave into it and I haven't looked back since. I'm so glad you mentioned BTO, Beyond the Operatory. That was definitely eye-opening because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of all of the different opportunities. So I think it's really important for for your audience if they feel stuck. There's no reason to feel stuck. Just reach out. Right. What I love about dentistry is the ability to to pay it forward and just to help out. I mean, I, I get calls from offices all the time and asking me a question and then they'll say, oh, well, how much do I owe you? 
it wasn't, I mean, it didn't rise to that level. It was just, you know what, you can pay me back by if a friend of yours needs something or if I can help in any way, just let me know. I mean, everything doesn't have to Mm -hmm. have a price tag with it. For sure. We give lots of free advice and free talks. You know, sometimes I reach a limit and I just don't have it in me anymore. But, you know, with Facebook now, I'm sure you're getting tagged in posts all the time. It's real easy for people to ask me for advice. And sometimes I have to go, (laughs) no mas, no mas, you know. I agree with you, though. If it's a quick question and I can answer it, you know, that's on me giving back to answer it. So I, I get what you're saying completely. The the whole thing with starting your business, I'm just, I love hearing dental entrepreneurs because we are just a different breed. I mean, we're in such a small industry that I think is ready to, I mean, even explode a little bit more. I think we even have more growth to go. I'm not talking about just DSOs, but like technology and businesses and consulting and all of that. As an entrepreneur, what's the biggest challenge? Is it is it marketing? Is it life-work balance? Is it new clients? What what do you see as the biggest challenge that you've, you've had to go through? I guess depending on what year it was, all of the above that you mentioned, for me right now, I would say with the kids being older and being able to drive, that made a huge difference with my involvement. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it also depends on if that wonderful time of year called basketball season, if I'm coaching a team or not, that, that puts in a whole new... <laughs> stratosphere, which is really hard with, with speaking, Teresa, because you know, it's it's hard to say, yes, what am I going to be doing a year from now? I may be coaching a team. So can I accept this speaking engagement or do I not? You know, what's the right thing to do here? But yeah. I would say overall is being able to to get more clients to be able to help them. I would say that that's probably more of the issue. And, and I hear that from other people that ask me, hey, Lynn, how did you get into it? My greatest fear is I don't know how to sell. Well, in a totally different industry, I used to be a sales manager. So this quote selling part Mm -hmm. doesn't bother me. But I I wonder how those that need the regular paycheck, if you're not willing to either go without or have a little more time in between, and some people just don't have that ability for for whatever reason, that's something that everything, great, you got to start out building. And how, how bad do you want to build it? That would be my question. Because if you feel passionate about it, you can make it happen. Absolutely. You can. And then you just have to keep in touch with yourself. You know, do I want this to happen? Because, you know, if you're kind of thinking this could be a thing and then all of a sudden it blows up, ooh, mm-hmm. you better be ready. And like you said, you were talking to somebody who asked, you know, how did you do it? So that we probably get approached by maybe the same people, but we definitely get approached by a lot of managers. And now I'm getting approached by assistants and hygienists as well. How do I do what you're doing. I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard that because that's that's pretty cool. I would have like some Vegas money, right? <laughs> so how do I do what you're doing? And what I say to them is, do you really like being an employee or are you wanting to hustle and be a salesperson? Because exactly like you said, sales comes easily to me, sales comes easily to you. And if it doesn't come easily to somebody, that's not a bad thing. That just means that's not their forte. But if you're going to be out on your own and you don't want to be on video, you don't want to be out there on a podcast, you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have coffee with dentists and listen to their problems and then, you know, tell them very, you know, brutally, look, you need me or else, you know, you're probably going to continue to have issues. If somebody's not comfortable with that, maybe coaching and consulting and entrepreneurship isn't the way to go. And do you know anybody who's kind of had that realization that maybe being an employee is better than being an entrepreneur? 
It's so funny you mentioned that. I just had that discussion last week because I had somebody reach out to me. I was speaking for ADOM chapter and, and that was one of the things was, okay, I, I, this is the next step. You know, this is what I want to do. And, 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 you know, at the end of the day, Teresa, I think a lot of people just need to take an honest look at their situation and what are they willing to do? How mm-hmm. hard are you willing to work? And are you able to get, get out of your comfort zone and do the things that you're going to need to do? Fear can be a great motivator. Don't get me wrong. But if it's crippling, then that's something that you've got to acknowledge and say, you know what, I, I might not be a good business entrepreneur, but I would be better you know, as an, as somebody's employee, because I can still make a difference. So it depends on your ultimate goal. If your goal is to make a difference, then maybe it's finding a different team to be able to manage or be a part of versus stepping out on your own. And if not, there are a lot of other um, firms out there that, that hire, you know, consultants all the time. There's a place Mm -hmm. for them. They just need to put themselves out there and, and ask the right questions. But if you don't, if you don't have the, as my father would say, the intestinal fortitude, then <laughs> you need to uh, need to make sure you have that. You have to be in a situation where you can have a drought of income. We went through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we both went through that. I, I certainly, you know, when I stepped away from my office, I was able to maintain some salary. Then it turned into, okay, well, I need to either land a client or land some speaking engagements because, you know, I might be going back to full time. And that's where the hustle comes in. So that the fear is real. I don't know if you've ever checked the phone to make sure it's working, but I've done that. I think we all have. Um, We all go through different seasons with that. And that's when you you get creative with different revenue streams and you start thinking you got to think like a business owner with the technology that's out there. Oh my goodness, with social media and different things. There's so many things out there to be able to tap into and to build your network of people. I think that's the other thing too. If if somebody would have told me a lot of my clients come from referrals and I would not have thought that years ago, honestly, I, I would have said, no, it would have mm-hmm. been somebody finding me on the internet or finding my website or whatever the case may be. And it really hasn't turned out that way. It's been Um, through referrals and networking with other people and realizing I don't have to know everything about everything. In fact, I tell this to potential clients. If anybody comes at you and tells you that, walk the other way or run the other way. For sure. And and I think being able to draw upon others in the market and um, I don't have to be the expert on everything, but I certainly know people who are. And I think that's really important. And that's really what builds a referral business. It's not different than the specialist general dentist relationship. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that most of your business comes from referrals. I think, honestly, the and we always teach this, right? The best growth is organic growth, not, you know, not going out there and trying to grab it every new client that you can and hoping <laughs> that one or two sticks. Uh, I think that's I think that's smart that you're doing it that way. And that it's funny. I mean, we both have office managers near and dear to our hearts. So the office managers out there that are that are listening and thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe this is something I want to do. I, I want to get into this. Talk to as many consultants as you can and then average their responses. I, I think you're going to hear, oh, it's great and you can do this and oh, you're going to be wonderful. And then you'll hear it really sucks. It's rough. I'm not making as much money as possible. I think you need to average all of those and see if it works for you. That's and what you said about the referral business. That's the nobody told me that piece. Referral business and relationships. It always goes back to that, right? I don't think you can be successful without it. 
Well, and so you are going to be getting more into the reaching out and, hey, listen to what I have to say, because you have a new course on the on the horizon, right? Like, isn't it ready to roll out? It is. Um, in fact, it is, you know, everybody likes to be able, or they think the people that work from home, they're just sitting in their sweatpants and their bunny slippers. And, you know, mm. but then when I start thinking about dentists, they've had a hard day. What can I do to be able to have some educational material of mine available so that they can see it from the comfort of their own home? So I've just decided to create a, a webinar that they can view, and it's entitled uh, Creating Culture That Works. What does it take to build a build and retain a team of top performers? And I'm in the process very, very closely going to be getting um, AGD and PACE credits for that. So if they spend the oh, time, nice. they'll be nice. able to uh, get the credit as well, when, which I think is important. I think that'll help everybody out there. Sure. Well, and AGD PACE, you know, not only just for dentists and clinicians, but I don't know if that counts towards the fellowship for the ADOM fellowship, but it might. So managers, you know, would probably want to take a look at that. Now I have the link and I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, I guess when it becomes AGD pay certified, you'll probably shout that out on your Facebook page. So Victory Dental Management is the name of your company. So we definitely want to have people check that out. And I will, I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, culture is never, you can't have a successful business unless you've got a good culture. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear people taking that on and, and taking the bull by the horns. What do you think the biggest pushback is from a dentist when you tell them, look, it's your culture? What, what's the biggest pushback you hear? The biggest pushback really has been, well, what does culture have to do with it? Because they're thinking, well, I just hire people. Why can't they do the job that I hired them to do? I'm like, okay, let's take a step back <laughs> and let's talk about, which, which is a great question. And I, and I like to be hit with those things too, because they don't realize it that culture really does make a huge difference because when I talk about culture, I'm talking about the environment of your practice. I want to know what do you see as the vision for your practice? You know, let's dream about your practice. What do you want it to be? I mean, we know what it is today, but where do you want it to be? And then let's create a plan to be able to get there. Because like we've talked about earlier today, I think a lot of dentists have that substandard of level of people working with them. And it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to feel stuck and you don't have to feel like your back is against the wall. There are things that you can do. And that's one of the things that I address in my course, as well as, you know, working with any doctors out there, because don't feel alone because you're not. I, I know everybody, that's the first thing I say is, I just want to thank you and honor the fact that you're reaching out for help, because that really is the first step that honestly, most dentists don't do. They, they're almost afraid mm -hmm. to ask for help. And it's okay because we don't know everything about everything. So it's okay to ask for help. And I, I don't know if they're drilled that in dental school that I have to know everything about everything, but I'm not measuring you on your margins. I promise you, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I want to help you be the best that, that you can be as a business owner and your team can be, you know, I want to transition having employees and to be able for you to have a team? And, and what does that culture look like for you? Now, have you ever had a team that was uncoachable? Not a whole team, but I've had uh, the majority of the team that was uncoachable. What was the biggest characteristic you think that made them uncoachable? Stubbornness and a hard heart. Hard heart. Now that's interesting. I've never had that answer before. Tell me what you mean by hard heart. I think internally, they're just not willing to recognize that they can change. They don't want to change and they want things the way that it has been. But I think that is an internal, it's a hard issue, 
because it's like with basketball. If, if you have a coachable spirit, I can teach you anything in the world, whether it's basketball or dental. But if you are going to fight mm-hmm. me every step of the way for whatever reason, because you don't want to change or you don't think you can, or is it fear? You know, whatever it is, if you don't allow me to help you, then I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, I, I had a basketball player play for me for um, AAU and I often said, I don't know how to coach you because you quit. And until you figure out why you're quitting, you're sitting on the bench because I can't coach quit. I, and I and I switched out a point guard and had somebody else play that had the heart of a lion. And she, her skill level wasn't anywhere close to my starting point guard, but it proved a lesson. If you're humble and you come and you say, I want to be better, I want to have help, then I can work with that all day long. But if you have a hard heart, I can't really work with that. So you just gave a tagline. I don't know if it's a regular term that you use, but can't coach quit. You need to do something with that because that's that hit me. That is absolutely true. You can't when someone's checked out or when someone's dug in and they're not listening, you can't coach them. It's funny you say that because that is a presentation I'm working on. Oh, we're on the same page (laughs) there, Teresa. We always are. (laughs) It happens so much in offices. And and what really makes me sad is when a doctor will call me and say, okay, I've been through two, three, four, five consulting companies. And you just think, gosh, at what point do you realize something is fundamentally just wrong? Let's, let's look at the fundamentals and they're, they're reaching for goals and they're doing it together as a kind of a crippled team. It's just, it's sad. It makes me just want to, you know, put a mirror up in front of the whole team and say, you know, who, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Because I don't see function, you know, I just don't see it. It's sad. You know, it's, it's sad, but I think in nowadays too, it's, it's a liability. I know with you and I've talked about chart audits and different things, but you think about dentistry inherently in the role of dentistry, there's enough liability. Why are we allowing things to happen that could be detrimental to one's livelihood and license? And it's Mm -hmm. more than just somebody has a crappy attitude. It could really hurt you. I feel like I got negative. So I apologize to all of you guys who are used to not not having me go negative like that. So let's let's turn this around. Lynn, tell me your success story. Give me a client that you've had a success story with. Wow. Oh, I have clients nationwide. So it's not just in the state or East Coast or whatever. So this client was in a totally different time zone. It was in California and they had a very interesting situation where they thought all they had an issue with was their AR report. And it had just grown tremendously and they didn't know what to do with it. But upon further exploration into everything, it was they had employees working there and not a team. So I was able not only to help them by getting everything off of their AR and being able to increase their cash flow, which of course made everybody happy and the doctors were sleeping better at night and all of those benefits that come along with a much better smoothly running practice. But then they realized back to your culture statement, when everybody is on the same page, you can see it. You know, when you look at it, that everything is functioning to its highest level and everybody's happy. There's a, an aspect of happiness that you can see on everybody's face. And when a patient comes in and they can see an environment where everybody is happy and has a smile on their face, especially if they have a fear of dentistry, they're going to love coming mm-hmm. there. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. I know I've worked with practices where one particular dentist, he has an infectious laugh. 
And when he laughs, you can't help no matter what operatory you're in. You are, if you're not laughing, you're smiling because it just makes you feel good. And he's infectious. That's awesome. When I can hear that, especially being on site, I, I just, I just. I just smile and go, okay, this is awesome. I, I love what I get the opportunity to do. I absolutely love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. Well, I like that we're hearing about a doctor being infectious in a way. That's <laughs> yeah. really fun, right? And, and <laughs> itself, instead of misspelling staff, you know, staff being the infection versus S-T-A-F-F. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I feel so bad for, for these new consultants coming out because they'll use the term staff and it's like almost a three, two, one, wait for it. <laughs> Other senior consultants are going to jump on them and say, well, you know, staff is an infection. And I can't, man, I've been to so many consultant meetings where it's like almost like a, it's like a gator pile on. You know? <laughs> Don't use that term. It's a bad term. That's why I've always reverted back to saying employees because it's really what they are yeah. versus a team. But, you know, back to what you were saying before with words matter, I've, I've said this often mm-hmm. that I believe that we teach people and we train dogs and on honest to goodness. Go. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, we have to teach others. We cross teach. We don't cross train. Mm-hmm. We cross teach, but, but I'll, I'll tell you a secret. Yes or actually be extremely transparent. It's not a secret. If you really know me, you know what's about to come out of my mouth. But when I hear the word train (laughs) and being a mom, I'm thinking potty training and the whole respect thing, right? (laughs) Who wants to be referred to like that? Like you're training me. Oh, please don't train me. Please teach me. Please don't train me. I've been trained. Thank you. Yeah, training. I, I kind of think of like the the clicker that dogs Pavlov's you know you dogs. use with dogs, like you know like the, the Pavlov <laughs> response. Yeah, I don't you know, and and believe me, in every office there has always been a Pavlovian response that happens. You know, when the doctor comes out of their office, you know, there's some there's some stuff that happens, or when you hear the doctor say certain words, like the front office people will jump up and you know, run to the back because they know that's their cue. I mean, yeah, that's training. You're right. That's that's being trained. But teaching is getting them to think for themselves. And I I love that you've distinguished that. I think words do matter. And I hope that this makes an impact on people and and gets them to think about how they're using their their terms. I hope so too. Yeah. Well, so tell us how we can find you. I know I'm going to drop some links in the show notes, but how, in case people don't pull up the show notes, how are they going to find you, Lynn Leggett, on the internet? The easiest thing to do is to go to my website, which is victorydentalmanagement.com. There you will find me and you you have also the opportunity to get in touch with me on the uh, contact form. Or you can send me an email at Lynn, which is spelled L-Y-N-N-E, at VictoryDentalManagement.com. And you can find me on Facebook, like you mentioned before, about Victory Dental Management. And also Instagram, which shouldn't surprise anybody. It's going to be Coach 12 Imagine that. <laughs> I got to get the sports thing in there. Oh, well, listen, I, I downloaded this just for you. Can you hear that? Did you hear that? I did. I, yeah, I knew you appreciated it. The whoosh. I, I, I was like, oh, I got to get a basketball thing going. And every obnoxious dribble sound sounded like an obnoxious dribble. Obnoxious sound. That was the only dribble? One I Those two things don't oh, go no, together. Like, like so, oh, you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I insulted your, your favorite thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh, you got me snorting, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can always have Norman edit that out. No, but it's no, charming. That's okay. I think. It's charming. She snorts. It's real. <laughs> hey, you know what? You, you get what you ask for. There you go. You know, you know that you've got somebody who's going to be real and down to earth and that there's nothing more real than that. <laughs> So um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I want to thank you for taking the time, Lynn, because I know you and I have talked about doing this for a while. It's just a matter of getting it down, you know, on the calendar. So thanks for being on. I appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. Thank you for making the time for this, Teresa. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, so I will go ahead and sign off now. Make sure that you are signed up for the Nobody Told Me That podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. I know you might have listened to it from a link, but make sure you go and subscribe so you get it. And uh, check out the newsletter, check out the courses, check out Lynn's course. There'll be a link in the show notes and uh, hopefully we'll connect with you soon. Sounds great. Thanks. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com. That's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses, books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that. <laughs>